actors who are very confident in what they do don't feel the need to be asking people to like them. We'll like you when you show us that you deserve to be liked. When you're professional and you're good at what you do and you come in and you are prepared and you kick ass in that audition, then I like you. I'm not going to like you because you asked me to like you. I'm not going to like you because you asked me to like your Facebook page. Just like any relationship, when you become friends with somebody or if you start dating somebody, you can't like that person because they ask you to. You're either going to form a friendship or you're not. It's sort of the same thing. You're listening to Inside Acting, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the inner and outer game of success in the entertainment industry. I'm your co-host, AJ Meyer. And I'm Trevor Elgott. And coming up in episode 185, we have part two of my chat with casting director Jeremy Gordon. He's a real champion of actors and a casting director or casting associate on some of the biggest film and television projects out there, including, but not limited to, Psych, Law & Order, and... Hugh Jackman's very own Wolverine. In part two, Jeremy talks about the obvious direction the industry is heading from the absolute musts of self-taping to the importance of having a robust social media presence and to why you must, 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 must be creating your own imaginative and original emphasis on original content. It's all coming up in episode 185, so stick around. This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by Rehearsal 2, the app for actors. Want to learn your lines? Be off book for auditions? Explore your character and make stronger choices? There's an app for that. Rehearsal 2. Download it now at rehearsaltheapp.com download. That's rehearsaltheapp.com download. All right. So what's going on, dude? Hey, buddy. Hey. So we had some fun with the internet and uh, things like that. So I'm actually coming coming to this episode on my little Apple twenty nine dollar headphones, just as as you have been for a long time. For a long time, people would be so amazed. We're getting older and we're downsizing. Look at that. <laughs> Look at that. Out of the uh, system. It's okay. I mean, the quality. Yeah. You know, as long as the quality's there, we're happy. And you'll be back in L.A. soon, so we'll be able to get our, our full studio set up going and have a few episodes that are studio quality again. Yeah. Most excellent. So what's uh, what's new in your world this week? you got a couple things to talk about. Well, I, t- I talked about the meetings I had in the last episode, so just an update that the second one, the commercial uh, meeting, went really well. Just wanted to talk about that. I've also got the concert coming up this uh, Sunday, so it'll already have happened by the time this uh, this episode goes live. But I'm really excited about that because I've been working really hard on the two songs that I'll be singing for for that. The biggest thing on the horizon right now is tomorrow, uh, Jasmine and I will be actually shooting a film that she wrote and is love it. Basically, directing and producing and doing all the legwork on her own, and. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be a blast. We have um, a bunch of equipment that we have sort of acquired from whether it be Craigslist or this place called B&H Photography here in New York, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I heard someone talking about it when I was in there the other day. One of the security 
guards was talking about how people will fly there from all over the world. It's actually m more cost effective for them to pay for the flight and get to get get to B and H here in New York and buy their equipment. So you know if they're buying like a you know four thousand to ten thousand dollar camera, for instance, it's actually worth it for them to buy the really expensive plane ticket to get themselves here because it's cheaper here than it would be in their home country. So you guys bought this gear or you're renting it? So it's a combination of things. So we did find some really sweet deals. We found a four hundred dollar steady cam on Craigslist for less than two hundred dollars. Wow. So we got that, uh, which is awesome. And we actually took, um, I haven't even told you this, so surprise, we took um, the, uh, the Zoom that we bought for the podcast and sold it so that we could upgrade to the newer one, the H5. And then uh, B&H has a really, really good return policy. Is all I'll Sweet. say. So okay. we have okay. we have a we have a boom pole, we have um, a boom mic, we have uh, a bunch of lights uh, that we got, like a like some serious serious gear, and uh, about two thirds of it is gonna go back. Badass man. Now, so do it you reminded have a crew? me of like how we talk about like making your credit card movie, on right? The, on the yeah. podcast before, this is like making our credit card movie, but only for like a couple days because then it's all going back on the credit card. <laughs> Right on, man. Do, do you guys have a crew? Do you have some people uh, enrolled to help you out? We do, yeah. We have um, a sound guy, a gaffer, uh, a AD, a PA, and one other person who I'm forgetting. Okay, one, so one you got to, you know, it's bare bones, but it's it's definitely more extremely than... Extremely bare bones, have. extremely bare bones, yeah, but it's uh -huh. but it's more than just the two of us in a room with an iPhone. And and can you share what this film is oh, about? Oh, DP, DP, DP's the other one that I forgot. Score, yeah. score. Can you share what this film is about? Um, it's, uh, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to do that, I don't, because I haven't, you know, Jasmine wrote it and I haven't asked her permission to do that. So okay. I'm gonna do that, but uh, you know, obviously we'll we'll post it online and whatever when it's done. But it's um it's a cool idea. It's a really Sweet. cool concept. And last question for you before I, I end up I stop grilling you here. Um, what are your plans for post? Do you have somebody who's gonna cut it, or are you guys gonna try your hand your own hand and cut yeah, it? Yeah, we'll or? probably do it our do it ourselves, or I might reach out to. Um, yeah, some various editing friends that I have, and there's also a bunch of people that work. Uh, with me here in, in New York that, that are that are editors. So. Great, man. And then, uh, I'm sorry, I was kidding. I have one more question. Oh my goodness, you liar. Remind me about this concert that you're doing. You said you have two songs you've been working on. It's coming up this weekend. So remind me and our listeners what, what this is. Oh, it's called At This Performance. It's basically started by this guy named Steven DeAngelis and he just invites a bunch of people who have been either understudies or covers or what have you on Broadway and off-Broadway shows and they do a, one song from the show and then one song uh, that the, of their choosing um, so I'm doing one uh, a song from Heather's and then a, a song that I chose. Is this like a showcase kind of deal, or sort of? I mean, it's it, it's just a it's a it's an entertaining evening. I mean, you know, every, anybody who works in Broadway, off Broadway, even if they're an understudy, there everyone is really talented. And this is like I think I mentioned this on the podcast before, but this is like the third one of these that I am doing. So I, the other ones that I've been to, they've just, you know, people up there just, you know, singing their faces off and, and sounding amazing. And so it's really, it's really fun to, to, to sort of celebrate the people who are 
still climbing their way up the ranks, so to speak, and, and, are, and are just as talented as the people with the actual roles. That's great. <laughs> Enough about me, because I have to ask what the hell Terminator video is. Yeah, I stuck that on the outline. So our good friend Doug Bressler does these great YouTube videos with a long-lost pop star from the 80s named L.B. Rain. Uh-huh. LB recorded LB uh, pop songs for Star Wars and Indiana Jones and Tron and all sorts of huge kind of 80s movies. But uh, his songs were rejected and kind of lost in the cultural um, sort of abyss. Uh, and they were recently sort of uh, rediscovered and digitized and updated uh, for, you know, remastered for 2015 and, <laughs> and a few years ago. And uh, so the most recent video they found is, uh, is a video that LB shot for uh, a song that he wrote and a video he shot for the Terminator movies back in the, uh, you know, 1984 or whatever it was that the first Terminator movie came out. I can't, I can't go with this anymore because it's not going to work. But <laughs> my friend Doug uh, makes these videos. They're great little parody videos. And he's asked me to play uh, like the, the, the Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator character yes. in, uh, in the next video. And he literally yeah. said to me, he said, he said, dude, do you think you can get like totally like swole by June 6th? Because we're going to shoot it at the YouTube space and all that. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, you mean I get to train for a role? And I got... <laughs> I got like so excited and it, it works out perfectly because my brother just bought a uh, body beast, which is a beach body, you know, DVD workout program, but it's all about bodybuilding. And so if you go online and just search for body beast transformation or body beast results, you'll see that people have been able to pack on a lot of muscle with this. And my brother bought like all the gear, he bought like the easy curl bar and the weight bench and, and all this stuff. And He's been really digging into the nutrition plan, and so uh, he and I are going to get huge together. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Remember the joke I was making last week about Trevor's muscles, everyone? Yeah. Yeah, in the back. To, Come on. You're going to have to keep making that joke, except make the jokes bigger to you know go to the muscles. Like, seriously, I'm, I'm going to try and pack on like 10 pounds of muscle. Oh, my God. Well, it's going to be all over. Doug's got a nice YouTube following, and these videos are, you know, they get hundreds of thousands of hits. And if I'm going to do this, I want to do it right. Time to pack it on. Wow. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of you know, I'm, I'm, my, the fitness geek in me is like thrilled about this. Of course. And I'm just going gonna, just gonna to do it, man. So that'll be fun. Um, and then in addition to that, I've just been, I've been doing a lot of writing. Just really been recommitting to um, a few ideas I've been kicking around for a long time. And uh, I've got uh, two new reels to show to the world this week at some point. A comedic and dramatic reel that I'm that I've just recut. So nice. Are they yeah. up yet or not yet? Okay. Not yet. I just got the, uh, the sort of nod of approval from uh, my agent. So I'm going to put them up on actors access and then probably, I'm probably not going to put those ones up online. I'll probably just put a sort of general reel around a minute and a half, uh, up online. That's just updated or maybe I'll do both. I, I don't even know, man. Um, because like <laughs> the people that find your stuff sort of online, I feel like they're a slightly different audience than the people that find your stuff on actors access. Of course. So um, yeah. I think a general reel would serve me better sort of for the general, for like the YouTube people or audiences. And it will not serve me, I don't think, very well if I put it up on Actors Access and LA mm. Castings. Interesting. Yeah. That's my, that's my sort of current thinking on that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Well, yeah, they're all tools. And also like ha having, a se having separated reels for your representation too to send out to uh, casting or producing and say like, hey, you know, he he's done something uh, similar, and here's proof. Right. You know, right. so yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
We, uh, we wanted to spend some time updating people on the uh, developments with the 99-seat theater thing, but we also have a backlog of listener questions. So I feel like, I don't know, I, I'm kind of sick of talking about <laughs> the 99-seat thing, and I'm actually really angry about something that they did recently. So I think it'd be better for me to skip that and wait until I'm more calm. <laughs> oh, well, you, you got to share what you're angry about, though. You can't just leave us hanging with that. Oh, I found out through... Uh, a friend that they, because I don't know if I mentioned this uh, on a previous episode, but uh, Equity is actually phone banking right now, yeah, uh, using volunteer staff, which is hilarious because that's what they're telling people is wrong with 99 seat theater in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh, so they're using volunteer staff to, critical to, much? to call. I know they're using volunteer staff to to call um, Equity members in Los Angeles and and encourage them to vote yes on the uh, on the proposal um and i found out through a friend that uh they called and they said uh you know we want you to vote yes and the person was like well i don't agree like i'm i'm probably going to vote now no or whatever and then they started this party line this union line of you know these quote unquote evil producers none of which i've ever encountered in los angeles but this is like the line they're using uh, the evil producers making money off of the backs of actors. And then, I kid you not, they said, look at Heather's. It's a perfect example. They did an L.A. workshop in a 99-seat theater. And then they brought it to New York but didn't bring any of the L.A. actors with it. And they hired all New York equity actors to do the show. I can't, I can't even... Um... <laughs> oh my god you're having the exact okay. same reaction i did actually when i heard this i literally was so angry that i started laughing yeah that's it's wow i you know i'm trying really really hard to see it from their point of view i'm trying to justify their point of view i'm trying to put myself in there that's what we do as actors right we put ourselves in other people's shoes and sort of justify their their reactions or their or their intentions i i can't do it with these people i cannot do it Maybe that makes me a shitty actor, but I can't do it. I can't, I can't see You're, the... Yeah, the re- a shitty actor, a bad person, and... Uh, that, yeah, because they're, they're... That's actually funny that you say that because, ironically, that's one of the things that they're saying is that if you vote no, you're actually voting... Uh, you're, you're voting against your union. Uh. Which is even more frustrating because, like, no, actually, I pay my dues so that I have some say in, you know, what goes on around this place <laughs> yeah you know we shouldn't we shouldn't get into this i do i do want to say though that um there's a great um sort of mm, soundbite not really soundbite it's like it's like a podcast basically it's on kcrw it's a show called which way la and it features uh some a sort of back and forth like round table type thing debate between um some people on both sides of the issue and on one side of the issue is tim robbins like the tim robbins the guy who started and runs the actors gang you know, the film actor, Tim Robbins, and he's on there and he makes award winning Tim Robbins. Yeah, that guy. He makes some really good points. And on the other side of it is one of my favorite sort of local theater actors, uh, Charlene Woodard, who's been um, in a lot of shows of the Douglas. You and I have have connected with her many times, AJ. And um, she's on the the sort of pro 
uh, equity side. She's the person that's for this referendum, for a, a sort of abolishing the 99-seat plan as it exists now. Yeah. For me, it's still pretty clear where I land on it, but I thought it was an interesting sort of condensed version of, of the arguments that are on the table right now. So we're going to have a link to that on our website for anybody that might like to go listen to it and hear um, a sort of a great sort of debate uh, from people really in the in the fray. Yeah, that's great too because if we call it a debate, I'm pretty sure Tim Robbins wins. <laughs> well, I'm, not, I'm I don't want to like you know call anybody out here or anything, but uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> anyway. So before we roll into this question we wanted to quickly respond to, we do want to give a quick shout out to VO2GoGo.com. They're one of our sponsors. They are the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for best VO training four years in a row. And you can visit VO2GoGo.com slash start to get access to a free getting started in voiceover online class that'll help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VO, the number two, gogo.com slash start. I feel like I lied to one of our listeners because I told Brian we would get to his question and then Trevor, <laughs> Trevor showed me this folder that for some reason was not working properly on my computer before because it contains a backlog of so many listener questions. I feel so bad, guys. I had no idea they were waiting on so many questions to be answered. And we have some that are that are that are really that go back quite a ways. So we wanted to kind of get to those um, before moving on to the more recent ones. So um, Trev, do you think we have time for both of these or let's let's talk about Brian's question because All right. so Georgina, yeah. who sent in a question a very long time ago, uh, we are we are gonna get to it. Finally. So, uh, yeah. All right. So, Brian, um, if you guys remember, Brian was, um, he's a filmmaker that wrote to us a while ago. It said he was in a, a regional market, I think St. Louis, and he recently brought his film to um, festivals and stuff. And he asked us if we had any thoughts on how we could sort of maximize his presence at the festivals. And we responded by saying, you know, just make an effort to get out there and connect with people, find out what you can do for them, that kind of thing. Go see their work, tell them how much you enjoy their work, of course, if it's true. And um, really just kind of, you know, build relationships by being uh, in service and appreciative of their contribution to the festival. And uh, he wrote us back and said, thank you very much. And then he said, basically, you know, he, he feels like it's time to get out of St. Louis and get to Los Angeles. He says it feels kind of daunting, but he's proud to have this festival on his resume and he's proud to kind of keep the momentum going. And he wants to know if we have any advice on where to go from that point. He says... And I'm quoting his, uh, his email here. He says, I know sending out and submitting to managers and agents is what I have to do. But I also hear that the best way to go through that process is by referrals. And I don't feel I made strong enough connections at the festival to get those meetings with someone who could potentially represent me. So what he basically is asking is what our thoughts would be on this. And <clears throat> full disclosure, uh, I'm not, uh, I'm not, terribly familiar with like the sort of festival agent getting for movie process type of thing. But, uh, I know that we both, uh, briefly discussed our thoughts on this before we started recording AJ. So what's your, uh, off the cuff response? Yeah. I think it's our off the cuff response. Yeah. We'll both which is, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Cause we we found ourselves both, uh, on the same page, even using the same language, which is Brian, make another one. <laughs> <laughs> what's next 
you know, I, I, we've heard it time and time and time again from all, from so many of our guests, especially the DIY filmmaker set of guests to, you know, when you are thinking, what can I do with this film? What can I do with this film? What can I do with this film? It probably means you need to stop thinking about that film and start making another one. And in addition to that, if you are trying to get represented and you go in with a film or a handful of films or one festival under your belt and you're like, hey, this is what I've done, they may actually be like, okay, what else? Mm-hmm. What else is there? What else? What's next? What, what else are you working on? And you might have some scripts you know, in the works or you might have some stuff sort of in the pipeline, but it would be so much stronger if you had a body of work. Now, I'm not saying don't move to Los Angeles until you've made, you know, 15 films. I'm simply saying that whether or not you go to LA, you need to be making another film right now. Absolutely. There are a lot of filmmakers that do very well for themselves, uh, kind of just crushing it from wherever they are in the world. Yeah, being, um, being in a minor market is not a bad thing in this case. Yeah, I mean, it, it'll, if your goal, I think, is to kind of be a director for hire, L.A. is probably sort of the place to call home base. But if your goal is to be a filmmaker and just consistently make interesting, you know, provocative films, you can be anywhere and submit your films everywhere. And just you can just crush it and dominate it in the market you're at and then just fly out to L.A. for, for the things you need to fly out for. So I think it depends on goals. And things like that, but I'm I'm also 100% with you, AJ. That, like you know, Ryan Sage said it back in his interview yeah, episodes, which that's was exactly 70. What I was thinking about too. Yeah, I just looked it up. 76 and 77. And when we had stopped recording, I had asked him this. I had just finished uh, shooting Donor, and that was sort of in the can, and had sort of was starting starting to lose steam a little bit with the festival thing. And I said, you know, Ryan, I, I want to do something else with this. What do I do? What do I do? Like, wh- who else can I talk to? How can I get more reviews? That kind of thing. And he said, dude, let it go and make another one. He's like, I see so many people get caught and hung up on their one film. And they spend years between that and making another one. Start making an old Just keep creating. Keep making new stuff. And I didn't take his advice at the time. <laughs> um, I wish I had. I really wish I had. And I'm finally kind of back into it. And I'm seeing that's the most important thing is just keep getting better at what you do. Don't let anything else distract you from that. And if it's good work that you're doing, the next steps to kind of get that represented and seen and leveled up, will they'll show up at the right time and be obvious. So, love it. yeah, I hope, hope that helps, Brian. And thank you so much for, for writing in. And, um, man, I would love to see your work. You know, shoot us an email with uh, a link to anything you got. We'd love to see it. Yeah, that would be awesome. All right, cool. Well, uh, I guess uh, that's it for now. We'll, we'll get to these other questions and the rest of the backlog in future episodes. In the meantime, let's go ahead and roll into part two of Trev's chat with casting director Jeremy Gordon. We talked a little bit about the interview up in the in the intro, but is there anything else you wanted to preface, Trev? Not really. I think we'll just let the interview and, and Jeremy's awesomeness speak for itself. All right, guys. Here's Jeremy's awesomeness. We'll catch you on the other side of Jeremy's awesomeness. <laughs>
let's talk a little bit about then what you see actors doing that really kind of helps their career and what you see actors doing that is not so supportive to their career. I know you're you're huge on social media. When we when you were in Howie's class and I was there, you really opened my eyes to the idea that casting directors do look at social media. They look at Twitter, they look at Facebook, they look at your 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 online presence. But I know also casting directors are very, very, very busy people. I'm seeing actors, th those actors I see that are most successful right now are, are using 2015 and the technology and everything that is at their fingertips that actors even five years ago, ten years ago did not have. The actors that are using what's available to them are finding more success. There's YouTube and, and all of the internet and, and phones and the apps. and There are so many different platforms for actors to create their own content, to work on something that they've written, to uh, even make simple announcements to talk about what, what they're auditioning for, what they're booking, to share a clip of something or their reel. Actors who are embracing technology and social media will find and are finding much more success than those actors that stay inside that safe box that they learned, like uh, the PR strategy of sending out postcards from something that somebody created in whatever, 1985. Actors have been doing it for so long, and they're just comfortable doing it. They've been doing it for so long. Yes, it costs money, and it's resources, but they're going to do it because they've been doing it. And I'm sure there are casting directors that say they look at postcards, and I'm sure there may actually be some that do. And in all the years I've been doing this and all the casting directors I've ever worked with, I've never seen a single one actually look at a postcard and say, oh, that's amazing, this actor booked CSI, I'm going to bring them in. I've never seen that happen. So for me, actors who refuse to take a chance and, and you, have to, you have to do something that, that feels not safe, like just step outside of that box and I'm going to stop the postcards and I'm going to do something different. Oh my God, that's scary. But let's look at the, let's look at the numbers for a minute. If you send out, what, 50 postcards, 100 postcards... And some of the casting directors you'll know, some of the casting directors are random. Most offices, if there's an assistant that goes to the mail or an associate, and the important stuff gets passed along to the casting director. Some casting directors look at their own mail, yes, I'm sure. But maybe, out of those 100 postcards, even if 10% of those postcards got seen, you're talking about 10 out of every 100 postcards being looked at by a casting director. And how many of those lead to you getting an audition or them remembering you in six months? Numbers are very small. An actor who uses social media and has even a thousand friends on Facebook and 500 followers on Twitter, and those are very small numbers. If an actor took the same information they put on a postcard and put that on social media, exponentially, just by posting something on Facebook, which is 100% free, more people will see it guaranteed than the possibility of a postcard maybe working. I, I can't possibly imagine why an actor would still choose to send out a postcard. Mm -hmm. You have to use social media. It's here to stay. Twitter is being used as a deciding factor whether actors get jobs or not based on the number of followers you have. TV contracts require you to live tweet and interact with your fans now. You can't wait until you get a job to start building that Twitter fan base. You have to start it now. It takes a long time to get fans unless you become famous overnight. You have to start now. But those numbers, you can't argue with those numbers. It's amazing free marketing for yourself. So those actors that are embracing that, they get it. And you could, you could just see by the number of YouTube celebrities, uh, the girl who puts on makeup and now she's, I don't know her name, but she you know, has TV commercials and she's, she's a household name among teenagers. Uh, there are so many YouTube celebrities now 
people are, are understanding what social media is and then using what's at their fingertips to make something for themselves instead of waiting for the phone to ring, for an agent to get you an audition, for this short film audition to come through. Actors who use what's at their fingertips and do things for themselves, they're finding more success. It's, it's obvious every day. So the DIY actor, the actor who Absolutely. can write, who can direct, who can edit, who can do, produce, even if it's just something in front of your laptop. Sure, and you don't, it, that sounds very stressful, I'm sure, to some actors. You don't have to be amazing at all of those things. Actors know people. Everybody in this town has a group of friends who know people. And just by spreading the word in your acting class, you could probably find someone who knows editing and, and their friend uh, has a camera and they could be your DP. You don't have to be able to do it all yourself. But to take hold of your own career instead of just sitting there waiting, do something. I had a friend of mine who did an episode. and An was, episode? An episode. And he had one new episode of his show on his app every day for a year and after a year he had 365 episodes of this show it's genius to me and he had celebrities in it they all took part of it uh, michael medico is his name i don't remember the name of the episode um but it's pretty wild to me you think outside the box do something i my friend lily vonnegut uh and her friends created most popular girls in school uh it's stop motion capture animation barbie dolls it's hilarious, and they out of, out of nothing, they made the show. They have five million, I don't know, millions and millions of followers every week, subscribers. It's hilarious. It, they are rep by William Morris now, and it's going to be made into a television show, all because they decided we are going to do something. We're not just going to sit around and wait. Yeah, wow. That's the, that's the first time I've heard the word episode. So this guy made an app. This guy made, or, yeah, he made an app, and that's how he distributed his content. <laughs> that's brilliant. It's brilliant. I want to talk about the social media thing. Yeah. I, I was going to say I want to play devil's advocate, but I don't know that that's what I want to do because the, the social media is, is, a two, is a sort of two-headed beast because here's an example. We have a Facebook group for the podcast, and it's about 600, 800 people, so it's nothing close to what you have as, in casting directors for actors, but we have a lot of people go on there and just sort of like speak for lack of a better way of putting it, spam the group. Yeah. Go like my IMDb page. Oh, yeah. fund my Kickstarter. Oh, yeah. look at my cool thing. You know, like, they offer no value to the group whatsoever, but they go on and they just talk about themselves. And I feel like that... Wait, actors talk about themselves? Yeah, I know. It's it's kind of strange, but it does happen every <laughs> once in a while. Um, and and it, it's, it, it makes for a, a sort of environment that's really sort of exhausting, at least for yes. me. Um, maybe other people feel differently, but I feel exhausted and I, I almost it almost repels me. So if you have a lot of actors that are, that are doing that, you've got sort of a, a lot of white noise that nobody yes. wants to tune into. Yes, and we have that in our group times 10,000. There's a lot of that. It's why I had to have friends of mine help me run the group. I have uh, Annie Wood and Ed Hung and Ben Whitehair help me run this group. I could not do it alone. There is just too much. There's too much to filter through, and we do like to keep the group professional to a certain level, and we do have to go and delete posts that are just nothing to do with anything but yes there's a lot of like me like my facebook page like my imdb page like my this like my that it's sort of in the same i look at it as the same thing as those actors that i hate to keep coming back to postcards but actors who send postcards to every casting director every month because they feel they, they need to spend their time and energy staying in communication with us uh and i think that's usually it's a little bit of an insecurity i hope i don't offend anybody by saying that but Actors who are very confident in what they do don't feel the need to be asking people to like them. 
We'll like you when you show us that you deserve to be liked. When you're professional and you're good at what you do and you come in and you are prepared and you kick ass in that audition, then I like you. I'm not going to like you because you asked me to like you. I'm not going to like you because you asked me to like your Facebook page. Just like any relationship, when you become friends with somebody or if you start dating somebody, you can't like that person because they ask you to. You're either going to form a friendship or you're not. It's sort of the same thing. So on the Facebook group, I just ignore all those. I don't, I don't really look at those. When, as soon as I see those links and the please like this, personally, I just ignore those. Hmm. But actors will do it for each other. I liked you. Like me back. And that makes them feel good. So they do that. Uh, unfortunately, IMDB has people convinced that their star meter means anything. I know. Uh, it's total it's bullshit. It's a total, total bullshit thing. Yeah. And I wish somebody would get on that. Uh, but enough actors are convinced that it's important for people to like their IMDB page. So their star meter number decreases and they are more popular. I wish actors would stop focusing their energy on that and take all of that time and energy and create some digital content or write something or go to a class or get together with a group of actors and sit around and brainstorm. There's so many better uses of time than this needing to stay in touch with people and needing people to like you. It's, it's, it's mm -hmm. silly. It almost would be like me sending a postcard to every producer and executive in town every month saying, I'm a casting director. Remember me for your next project. I would, never in a million years. But how is that any different? I, I feel like the, the good ratio, and, and correct me if you disagree, or let me know if you disagree with this, is 75% uh, or so of your of your tweets, your Facebook posts, whatever, are gives. They're, they're value adding. It's, hey, I saw this great flick. I, I came across this great article. Hey, check out this awesome recipe, whatever it is. And then 25% or one out of every four is something that's promotion-y, something that's like, hey, look at me, I'm doing this cool thing. Is that something that you would tune into a little more? If you saw an actor or a group of actors doing that kind of ratio of, of posts? Um, it's more of the vibe you get. I mean, there are, are, are certain actors that I know as soon as I see their tweet that it's going to be some kind of self-serving promotional thing, and I don't even have to pay attention to it anymore. Aside from blocking them, I just, it just literally, my, I recognize the picture, the name, and my eyes just glaze over and I go on to the next it really just depends on what they say. I mean, I'm all for self-promotion. It's part of an actor's job to, to self-promote and to sell themselves. So if it's in the right way, if it's genuine, the genuine communication is really important to any friendship, to any relationship, to any networking. Uh, and there are actors that will tweet me and keep me informed on what they're doing. They book this or auditioning for this. They, you know, they're studying with this person, and it, it, it's no more than just sharing, and it's not annoying. It's just, it is what it is, and it's fine. But when it crosses the line to, uh, I'm doing this, will you please follow me back? Or, I really hope you'll, you'll watch my two-minute reel because it's new. Or, be, I, I know you don't know me, but I'm going to be on uh, Mom this week, and uh, I'd love you to tune in. You know, there's just, there's a way that you can say something or ask for something where it just crosses the line between, okay... And annoying. It happens online. I get the, the, the Facebook messages and tweets every day with questions like that. What can you do for me? Can you help me get a visa? Can you remember me? I'm in Thailand. Can you remember me for an audition? It's Those are the ones that, that's the noise for me. The please like me ones I can ignore, but I get so frustrated when people just don't get it. Hmm. It doesn't matter that we're actors, casting directors, anybody, anywhere in the world, it doesn't matter who you are or what you're doing. Be smart about what you're saying to people and what you're asking of people. We don't ask 
strangers for favors. That's just not how life works. Why? Why? Why would I do that? Yeah. I know all these talented actors that I've been working with for years, but because you send me a tweet, I'm going to like work the Canadian government and get you a visa because <laughs> I have that kind of power. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. We talk, we talk about this sometimes in the show too. It's just the idea that you know, it's it's a you're a human being. I'm a human being. I mean, you're in the role of a cast director. I'm in the role of an actor. Sure, but like, how much more effective would it be if I got to know you as a person? If I found out that you loved A, B, and C, that you don't like A, B, and C, and then when I come across one of these things that you like, I can say, hey, I just saw this and thought of you. Just thought I'd kind of toss it your way. One of the most gratifying Twitter exchanges I've ever had. It, it resulted in absolutely nothing other than like a warm, fuzzy feeling for me. But Diablo Cody, the screenwriter, I follow her on Twitter. I don't think she's active too much anymore, but a couple of years ago, she was really sort of fun to follow and, and was always tweeting this really witty stuff. And I just saw that she loved roller coasters. And I came across this Vimeo video of somebody like videotaping a roller coaster ride. And I thought it was so fun. I sent it to her and I said, Hey, I thought of you. I thought that you might enjoy this. And she tweeted me back and said, like, you just made my entire day. I'm going to do this now for the next two hours. Just watch That's this video. Great. And I was just like, it just felt good to connect with them on a human, on a human level. level. <clears throat> Absolutely. I had an actor, his name is Brett Green, uh, who just booked a series regular role on a new CBS show. I don't know if I'm allowed to say the name, so I'm not, but congrats, Brett Green. Good for him. Um, yeah. I didn't know him from Adam. I had never spoken to him before. Maybe a tweet or two exchanged. And then all of a sudden, he tweets me a video. It's, it's a rap video that he made saying... You know you want to cast me. That was the name of this video that he made for casting directors. And he actually went out and it's pr- it's pretty impressive. I, he either is, this is what he does and gets with together with his buddies and it looks like it took a little bit of time and maybe a little bit of money. Uh, but it's a great video that he started tweeting to casting directors. You know you want to cast me. And it was a hilarious pretty much parody about the casting process. And I thought it was so genius. Uh, and it was in no way obnoxious. He just tweeted it, said, you know, you might get a chuckle out of this or something to that effect. I wanted to meet him. So I literally called his agent and I brought him in and I met him and we had become friends and I keep bringing him in. A year later, he makes part two. You know I want to cast you. Where he <laughs> awesome. pretended to be me and there was the bobblehead me talking to actors like stop making it so difficult to cast you. Do this, this, and this, not this, this, and this. You know I want to cast you. Oh, it's just brilliant. genius to me. <laughs> Such a new idea. I've never seen that before, and it just, it, I, I will always remember Brett Green for that. Uh, you know, now I actually know him as a person, and he's a friend, and he auditions for me, and it's great, and now I'll be on a TV show. But that type of smart thinking and stepping outside of the box, we remember that. Not just another postcard, or not even just another tweet that says, I'm on this show now. That's great. Congratulations. But... We get so many of those every day, and we are just people, and there are only so many hours in a day, and it's impossible to spend every minute of the day looking at postcards and watching people's reels and and looking at this and remembering this. We have to actually do our jobs as well. Right. I like that. What I'm taking away right now is go, as actors, it's our job to connect with people and tell meaningful stories that hopefully leave people changed afterwards. So we get to focus our energy just on doing that the best and that is its own promotion as long as we get creative with it in the context of technology in 2015 that's right and it's also important to i think it's very important for actors not to need to spend every second of every day worrying about promoting themselves you also need to let that go enjoy being a human being and feed your soul and do non-business things non-acting things go read a book go to the beach go surfing skiing do things you enjoy but then also spending time going to class and 
being a better actor and learning something new about the business. And it's not always about promotion. You, it, it can't always be about self-promotion and staying in touch with people and telling people this and telling people that. That's a lot of time and energy spent too much sometimes. I think there are a lot of actors that spend too much time focused on that and less on the other part of it, which I think is the more important part. Because at the end of the day, you can send me a hundred tweets, postcards, Facebook messages, videos. At the end of the day, you still need to submit yourself for the project and get seen and be really good in the room, and that's what matters. I'm not going to make, put you in a movie or even bring you in for an audition because you made a video. That's what he chose to do, and it got him in the room for me, but that's few and far between. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And we talked a little bit about in Jeremy's class. This is a question, or you're Jeremy. We talked a little bit about in Howie's class. Uh, and I, this is a question that I asked because I see, I see it everywhere. I mean, I, every couple of days I get an offer to buy 1,000 followers for 50 bucks or whatever. And so it seems like that would be a sort of easy way to game no. the system. But you said, no. you know what? It's so obvious when somebody buys followers. Can you talk about that a yes. little bit? First of all, nobody buys 1,000 followers. They buy 20,000 or 75,000. Uh, the numbers don't add up. When you see a profile where they have, they've tweeted 2,000 times, they have 75,000 followers and they're following 500 people, that's fake. It's so obviously fake. The numbers need to match somewhat. Uh, and you can also look at even five of those random profiles and they all look fake. Uh, there is nothing worse than having fake fans. First of all, Twitter is becoming better at getting rid of these spam accounts, but uh, when, when we look at it, if, if it just doesn't add up and it, what these people are not responding to you, also it's not about having followers that are just there. You want people who are interacting with you because what the studios and the networks look at, when I tweet or if you got a job on a show and you tweeted that you're a series regular on this new show and we're going to be live tweeting at 8 p.m., those fake profiles are not going to be interacting with you. What's, what's important are the ones that are interacting with you and sending questions and, 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 and having those conversations back and forth. These fake profiles cannot do that. Uh, so even if somebody bought it for two seconds and said, oh, 75,000 followers, it's great, all it takes is one live tweet session to find out that that's a bunch of BS. Wow. So actors, they, people that might do that could really shoot themselves in the foot. I mean, how would how would anybody ever trust them after learning that? Well, that's... It just makes you look. It's more just makes you look kind of stupid that you had to buy yourself some fake followers. I don't know why you'd ever. If you understood how Twitter actually worked, you would get in two seconds that fake followers are meaningless. It's not just about numbers. If yeah. you build it, they will come. Does not pertain to Twitter. You cannot just have a Twitter account. You need to be interactive, you need to tweet, you need to follow people, and it needs to be consistent. You know, I see the difference when I take a few days off because I'm going away for the weekend. If I'm not on Twitter, less happens for me. I get less followers. I have less people talking to me. It takes time being on there. You can ask my boyfriend, who sometimes gets annoyed with how often I'm on the phone, on Twitter, and Facebook. You, you have to be diligent about it, and the only way you're going to increase those numbers and get more followers is because you're on it, and you're, you're doing your interactive. You gotta, you gotta water the plants, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> right on. So if 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 postcards don't get looked at, and it's very easy to kind of tune out of a lot of the the sort of self promotiony Twitter stuff, w- the other thing that kind of comes to mind are, are cast director workshops. I, I've never spoken to you about this. I don't know where you sit on, on that whole debate. So where are you with that? If you don't mind chatting about it, I don't mind chatting about it. Um, I think unfortunately workshops have 
been umbrellaed under this one big bad word of workshops and uh, and scams. They all, all sort of gets tied into one. And I think, unfortunately, scams are scams. will always be scams, and they will always be there. It doesn't matter how many laws are in place or how many people fight against it. The scams are there. They will always continue. There are many casting directors that give amazing workshops that are focused on education. Uh, trust me, it's not like we're making tens of thousands of dollars on these workshops and we're just going to show up and go on vacation the next day because we did a workshop. We don't. I get, we do. It's not that much money. And I'm sure there are some casting directors that give a lazy workshop. And I've heard from you know plenty of actors that this casting director was very lazy. They didn't give us any notes. And it just didn't really seem to want to be there. So then fine, don't take workshops from that casting director anymore. Or talk to the place that hired that casting director and say, this was kind of problematic. I can only speak for myself. I have a master's in education. I have been teaching for years and years and years. It is so important to me to educate actors. The way I look at it is a more educated actor is better for me. So if I can start teaching actors the do's and don'ts and what works and what doesn't work, when they come in to audition for me, they'll be 10 steps ahead. They'll be better hmm. because they've been educated. Uh, and I love meeting actors. I love going in and, and, and meeting them. And, you know, we can't be in session 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We can't just bring in every single actor. They're not right for a role. But if there's a chance for me to meet actors and have them in my head that's great let's call a spade a spade we all know what workshops are we are meeting each other it's great for both of us but i do a huge q a and i will blab for an hour if they let me and talk about anything and answer all these questions and I, i'm from new york i don't beat around the bush i don't sugarcoat i'm not gonna hold your hand i'm gonna tell you the answer not the answer you want to hear but i think workshops can be incredibly useful actors need to be smart about it and use it to their benefit. Uh, I know there are some actors that come in and they just pick a scene. Oh, it's, I can do the scene. They come in, they do it, they leave, they don't stick around, and hmm. that's what they want to get out of it. That's fine. But we're here for three hours, so let's let's talk. You can spend three hours with us and watch each other in the group. There's a lot you can learn from watching and listening. I think they they can be great. It's it's a nice resource that's set up if, if done properly I personally don't see any problem with it if I know that I am doing my job and I am educating actors and I am not having this in place of an audition I don't see the problem with workshops uh, I love teaching I love coaching I do private coaching also the more that I can help actors the more that I can teach the better uh, trust me there are a lot of other things I can do in life that would make me a lot more money a lot easier and a lot sooner than what I'm getting right now I love it. I have no problem with mm. workshops. Do you bring actors in from workshops? Does that happen on, well, on the regular? Sure. By default, yes, I bring actors in from workshops. But if you're talking about the letter of the law, you're, never, you're not supposed to look at a workshop as a place where you can possibly find an actor to bring them in for an audition. But as a human being, if I meet an actor in any situation, it doesn't matter if I'm at the dentist's office or in a workshop or at a red carpet party or whatever, if I meet an actor that is right for a role, why would I not bring them in? Mm -hmm. So yes, of course, if I'm at a workshop and there's an actor who, wow, that, that was amazing and, and look at their resume and they're professional and, and super friendly, why would I not want to bring them in for something? So yes, I find actors at workshops that I bring in for auditions and there are plenty of actors that I don't bring in for they're not right or it wasn't a match or they're not ready or they weren't great or whatever. Uh, so yes, I do. There's some that I do and some that I don't. Cool. I love that. That's, that. That really clarifies, I hope, for a lot of people listening that 
workshops are, are an opportunity to connect as people in the context of the profession. Absolutely. And that's really what it's all about. People it's just go to seminars all the time in whatever industry that they're in, and they pay for those. They pay a lot of money to fly across country to go to a weekend seminar about business, about technology, about whatever. And they spend thousands of dollars going to these seminars to listen to somebody speak and to meet them. I don't know why that's any different, why are workshops so bad? Like, actors are paying to get in a room to listen to a quote-unquote expert speak about whatever and answer their questions and meet them. I don't know why that's looked at as so bad, because there are some workshops that are terrible, I guess, uh, but workshops are not scams, and it's continuing education as far as I'm concerned, and we all have to do it. So let's talk about self-taping then, because I know that um, you had a great story in Howie's class about uh, a guy who was, well, I, I'll let you tell it, but he was, he was in the situation where it was like, there's no way he's going to self-tape, and he did, and he booked it. Yeah. So, so self-taping is, 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 is here to stay. It's going to become more and more common. It's important for actors, I believe, to know how to self-tape themselves for free. Uh, there are a lot of businesses out there that charge a lot of money to tape an actor, and I'm sure they do a great job, and some actors don't know how to do it, and they're technologically, technologically impaired, and so they pay someone else to do it. But I cringe when I hear actors saying how much money they spend to lay down a self-tape when I know that they can do it for free. The SAG Foundation, if you're a SAG member, you can go to the SAG Foundation and use their resources for free. You can learn how to do it yourself and get together with your buds to invest in a camera together and you can call each other the last minute I need you to tape me record me read with me help me self-tape I'll do it for you next time learn how to do it now don't wait until you get this all-important audition and miss it because you don't know how learn how to do it now uh, so the story that I like to tell uh, we were casting uh, Helen Wheels last season and we had the villain of the season it was a sixth episode recurring role it was an amazing role uh, and we were super excited to cast this role. Uh, we wanted Jonathan Scarf to audition. So we call his agent. Can he please go audition for this? Can he put himself on tape? Wherever he is. Oh, well, he's sailing across the Pacific Ocean right now with his family. And I said, oh, okay. Bummer. Thanks so much. He said, no, no, no. Hold on. He'll self-tape. I'm sorry. He's going to self-tape from the middle of the Pacific Ocean? Yeah, no problem. Okay. So uh, I was not expecting that tape to actually happen, but literally the next morning was his self-tape that his wife taped him. He's literally sailing. I mean, this dude looked like he was in pirate mode and he was sailing across the ocean with his family and how they got Wi-Fi out there is a mystery to me, but the man got it done, sent it to us, and it was amazing, and we sent it to producers, and he was cast from tape, and he had to go port in Hawaii and fly back home. If he can get it done from the middle of the Pacific Ocean in less than 24 hours, there is literally... No excuse that I can hear from an actor who lives in L.A., who is in L.A., why they cannot get a self-tape done. No excuse. I, things happen. Life happens. Horrible things happen. People die. People get sick. Cars this, dogs that, houses, whatever. And the train, that Hollywood train, is going. It is not stopping. The episode is still shooting. We have to have your you hired so that we can get you a visa to work in Canada. It, none of that can stop because of what happened to you, and we're very sorry that your dog died. But the train is still going, so you can either use this thing that happened as a reason why you can't get it done, or you can just do it. Jonathan Scarf got it done from the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Any actor can self-tape on dry land anywhere. 
No excuses, just get it done. When, no, he was on the boat in on this self tubbing. Yes, I, I'm assuming she used her. Maybe he's prepared for this. Maybe he's got satellite Wi-Fi and he brought his camera. But however he did it, he literally got it done. Of course, it's not perfect situation. There's, it's noisy. It's windy. There's waves. There's rocking of the boat. He doesn't have a whole setup with a blue screen in the background. And he got it done. Because really, at the end of the day, in a self tape, we want to see the actors. We're not looking for editing skills. We're not looking for DP skills. We're not looking for perfection. We need to hear you. We need to see you. It's great if there's not distracting things in the background, like your collection of little mini spoons. But at the end of the day, we want to see you act. Acting first and foremost. And if you can really show us that you're great for the role, and we can see you and hear you, the rest of it can fall by the wayside and become less important. Cool. Well, I, I want to kind of wrap up by asking a couple questions that we ask all our guests. Sure. And they always get really interesting answers. So the first one is, do you feel that this uh, career path chose you, or do you feel like you chose it? No, I feel, I feel that Joe Dane chose it. For, no, I feel, like, uh, <laughs> I feel like it chose me, because as far as I can remember, I was always in the school plays. I can literally remember my first school play. I was in third grade. I was a spider. Uh, and I could literally, I could picture the stage, I could picture my costume, and my one line was, I'll go back and start the fire. And I thought I was the shit spider. I'm going to go back and start the fuck out of that fire. Uh, and literally from there was, oh, I was acting in all the plays, I did the sound of music in My Fair Lady in high school, and I just always remember having this need to be involved. Then it was wanting to be an actor, and I, I just loved rehearsing, I liked being in that creative environment. Uh, acting wasn't for me at the, at the end of the day, but knowing that I spent all of those years thinking about acting and I went to Syracuse and spent a lot of my parents' money studying how to be an actor, tried to push it away and I was a teacher for seven years and then it came back to me, literally being given the opportunity of a lifetime. Uh, I literally did not choose it. Joe literally said to me, here you go. So yeah, I think it chose me. That's awesome. So it really wouldn't let you go. No. <laughs> That's great. No, I'm still here. And the second, the second question is, if you could take all your experience across every sort of, sort of phase of your life, and every sort of domain, and you could condense all that experience into one nugget of wisdom to pass on to somebody maybe <clears throat> on this journey behind you, in front of you, alongside you, whatever, what would that nugget of wisdom be? That one, <laughs> that one Jeremy Gordon oh, piece of gold? Well... I am a very honest, forward, headstrong, no-bullshitting kind of person, uh, and it has served me well. It's something that my mother has instilled in me from day one. So I think you just have to fucking go for it. There is no time in this world to hesitate and to overthink things, and yes, planning is good, but with whatever you want to do in this life, go for it. That's my nugget of information. Go for it. Go for it. Amen. <laughs> right on. So if people want to thank you so much, that's, sure. that's brilliant because I think a lot of us will play small and then I, you know, I, I went through the same training that Ben did and <clears throat> I'm not sure if you know AJ, he's the co-host of the show, but we all went through this great training and, and we spend a lot of time sort of looking at our lives from the big picture and, and almost like getting into the practice of viewing the big decisions in life from like the deathbed 60 years from now, yeah. 70 years from now, maybe. And just saying, like, how am I going to feel about this if I say no? Or how am I going to feel about That's this right. if I say yes? That's and right. that really sometimes makes things super simple. You have to put yourself out there. I mean, years ago, I was in, I think, eighth grade, uh, and I was a huge fan of 
mash. And uh, we, my mom and I were in a fish store in Southampton, and, you know, the Hamptons, a lot of celebrities are out there, and there's Alan Alda buying fish. And I'm in eighth grade, and I'm or maybe even younger than that. And I was so, like, beside myself, there's, there's the guy from MASH. And I said to my mom, Mom, go get me an autograph, get me an autograph. She's like, absolutely not. If you want an autograph, you can go ask the man yourself. And I was so afraid and so scared. And I, what am I going to say to this is the guy from MASH? And I'm going to ask him for his autograph. She... She stood strong and said, you go get your own autograph. And I walked up to him, and I remember him seeing really tall, and I said, excuse me, Mr. Alda, but I love your show. Can I have your autograph? And he looks me dead in the eyes, and he goes, no, young man, but I'll shake your hand. And it was just one of those, at the moment, I'm like, wait, F you. I want your autograph. I'm like, eighth grade. I don't want it. But now I look back at that, and that's awesome. And I will always remember that. And if I had not had that, if I had not gone for it, if I didn't ask for his autograph in the first place, that would have been a whole moment in my life that would never have happened. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's very true of everything that we do. You can stay home on the couch, you can choose to say no, you can choose to play it safe, or you can just do it. Just go for it, get out there, do it. Yes and, right? Improv, we're all taught yes and. Well, yes and, go for it, do it. Amen, man, right on. So if people want to find out more about you, connect with you online, I mean, we've got uh, the Casting Directors for Actors Facebook group. We'll make sure we post a link to that on our site. But uh, people find you on Twitter, I'm Facebook? On Twitter, it's at Jeremy Casts, plural. So Jeremy, C-A-S-T-S, Jeremy Casts. Uh, I'm on Pinterest. I'm on Instagram. Uh, I have also on Facebook, there's Jeremy Gordon Casting, which is its own page. Uh, I don't do random friend requests with actors on Facebook, but there's enough ways to get a hold of me. I hope that no actor ever sends me anything in the snail mail. There's nothing. Actors, hear me now. I love you. There's nothing you need to send me in the mail ever. So that address that's on IMDb, it's useless. It's a UPS box. Don't send anything there. Just put it on social media. But I think that's good. It's Facebook, it's Twitter, it's all these other ways. Yeah. You get a hold of me. <laughs> Plenty of ways. And I have to say, it's really wonderful as an actor just to, to meet somebody who's so open and so accepting and, and really trust that it's not going to be a bunch of wacko actors. There might be a few, but most of us are pretty cool, you yes, know? And we just, we just want to connect with people and we want to work in this industry and do something beautiful. So thank you for, for, for standing for what you stand for in this My industry. Pleasure. Hello, everyone in podcast land. Welcome back to the bookends. Yeah, Jeremy uh, sounds like, I mean, I get how he came to be, you know, part of this whole family. You know, he's, he's friends with Ben and, and everything. He seems like the kind of guy, like, I just want to go have a beer with him. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, I just, I'm, I'm really grateful that people like him are in this industry because you've got a lot of, um, at least I've met a lot of casting directors that sort of, you know, sit on their high horse and kind of talk down to actors. And it's just creates this dynamic of like us and them in the industry. And as we know, as we now know, we've had, you know, several casting directors on the show. So we now know their career path typically isn't all that different from an actor's, you know, they're kind of job to job and office to office and project to project as well. And they've got to have headshots and networking and things like that, or rather relationship building is just as important for them. And so when they when they kind of take this, and I'm thinking of two or three cast directors I've I've met in particular, when they take this sort of elitist approach to actors and 
Yeah. It just, it just, it, I really hate the dynamic it creates. And Jeremy is the antithesis of that. He yeah. is all about open arms, like, let's talk, let's connect. We're all in the same boat. All boats rise with the tide, you know, just the whole, the whole nine yards, yeah. man. So I'm just really grateful that he, there are people like him out there and that, and that he, you know, was so generous for this time. <clears throat> I don't want to go spinning down the that uh, downward spiral that you were just referring to before about the casting directors on their high horse, but just an example. Uh, Jasmine went to a casting director workshop uh, recently, and this made me so angry. The casting director gave some feedback to an actor and then turned with this haughty expression to the rest of the class and said, we look for reasons not to cast you. And... I told Jasmine, I was like, if I was in that workshop, I would have laughed out loud, told her to go F herself, and then walked out. I would have laughed out loud and been like, are you serious? No, you don't look for reasons not to cast us. You have a problem. Your problem is you need a role filled by an actor. I'm an actor. I'm the solution to your problem. You don't look for reasons not to cast me. You look for reasons to cast me. You're not very good at your job because you're doing it the opposite. <laughs> Damn. And, and then walked out. And then you would have had 20 actors stand up and applaud you. I hope so. <clears throat> I hope so because my feeling is that most of them would sit there scared and because they aren't listening to IEP. They don't feel empowered. Um, <laughs> what's your pick of the week, my friend? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, oh my God. That's the whole other conversation. <laughs> uh, so my pick of the week is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful short film. Uh, the film is called Empyrean. The spelling of that is on our website, and it's a short film. It's about 17 minutes long, but it is just drop-dead gorgeous in every possible way, and it's very much the kind of short film um, I'd like to make. It's very much the kind of film I'd like to make. There's, I'm starting to collect films and projects and things with stylistic choices and sort of feels about them, feelings about them that I, that I want to sort of emulate in, in my work going forward, and this is definitely one of them. So the link on the website is to the Vimeo page for this short film, Empyrean. It's by a, a, a woman named Sophia Savage. She's a filmmaker, and uh, it's just gorgeous. It's a gorgeous film. You can watch it for free. Highly recommend it. Take the 17 minutes and, and check it out. Yeah. yeah. And uh, your pick of the week. I um, This is great, actually. Go ahead and tell our listeners what this is. Yeah, uh, it's called Clothes the Loop, and clothes is spelled like clothing, C-L-O-T-H-E-S, Close the Loop. Um, it is actually a textile recycling program that's through the uh, the outdoors, outdoors wear, outdoor wear uh, company North Face. North Face obviously being a very popular company, especially for their, their jackets and, and, and outdoorsy type things, outdoorsy type clothing. But I had no idea that they did this, and I, and I found this just this week, and I'm, t- I'm actually taking a bag of clothes there today, which is why I wanted to, to, put it, to put it there. So I started doing some research, and I found all this stuff about uh, textile recycling and how there's so much waste, textile waste that ends up in the trash that doesn't get recycled, and, and there's so many things that can be done with it. They can be, it can be broken down and turned into other things, much in the same way that like aluminum can. Uh, aluminum can, ha! Uh, aluminum <laughs> is able to be done with. Um, but also, uh, some of these textile recycling places will sort of separate out clothing and shoes that are still decent and the stuff that is like just totally tattered and, and messed up. <clears throat> the stuff that's useless 
quote unquote, they'll actually recycle uh, in however the proper textile recycling way is. And then the stuff that's useful, they send it to like uh, Trinidad or, or, or places in Africa or what, you know, wherever the need uh, is. And, they, and, and there's all these, there are these other companies, these textile recycling companies that collect from the various drop-off locations and then they put it together and they do the separating and they send it out to various kinds. It's kind of amazing, this whole thing. And I, and I had no idea. And it makes me feel a lot better about what to do with clothes that I'm either no longer using uh, or don't want anymore or, or are just old or don't fit or what have you, that there's mm. a place that they can go and actually be useful. Cool, man. And then we've also got, let me click back over to our outline here. We've also got some really good news from uh, a listener and longtime supporter and uh, member of the podcast, Tara Patterson. You guys may remember several episodes ago, she had a story about being a costume designer on the set of a, of a TV sort of um, thing. Not like a sh- I guess it is a show, but it's not like a, a, a show that happens in a series. It was like a sort of one-off special thing. And she, um, I guess they had a problem with one of the, the actors, and um, the director basically turned to her and said, you'd make a good Lincoln's wife or somebody's wife or whatever. Like, you should, you should, <laughs> you should do this. And so she, she was an actress who had become a costume designer who was then sort of ushered back into acting sort of at the whim of the universe. And I thought that was a cool story. And she wrote to us and said, guys, I wanted to let you know that that, that, that thing is coming out now. So... She sent us a blurb, and um, she said uh, it's called Lincoln's, Lincoln's Last Day. It's a Smithsonian special that chronicles Abraham Lincoln's last day on April 14th in 1865 and the nefarious band of assassins that conspired to kill him that very night. You can watch Tara as Nancy Bushrod in the premiere of Lincoln's Last Day on April 13th, 2015. So that's coming up less than a month away. It's April 13th, 2015 at 8 p.m. on the Smithsonian Channel. I thought that was really cool, man. And I wanted to um, make sure that we that we let people know that. Yeah, it's, it's a big a cool. It's a, it's a big win. Yeah, it's a cool story too. You know, she was like, maybe I'm not so an exacting thing. And then look at look what happened. <laughs> look, look what she created, Tara. All right. So that uh, recap of the pick of the weeks, uh, Trev. Make sure I'm saying this right. Empyrean. Yep, Trev's uh, pick, which is a short film that's free to watch on Vimeo, link on our page. The North Face textile recycling program, which is called Close the Loop, that's also on our website. And then Lincoln's Last Day, which premieres April 13th, 2015, at 8 p.m. on the Smithsonian Channel. So check out our member of the week. Ta-da! See how we Absolutely. transition there? Uh, yeah. Sarah Patterson. Thank you for your awesome stories. You are our member of the week this week. Uh, Tara works as a, a costumer in feature films, TV shows, etc. when she's not being yanked into being an actor. Oh, the, <laughs> the, the business. All right, I added all that stuff. Uh, she really enjoys that and yet is still wanting to explore and grow in TV and film production. <clears throat> you can check out, her web, uh, check out her website for her resume, Chic. It's her website, teamoniquechic.com. It's also on our website under the member tab. She also loves creative expression, writing, DIYing. I love that, DIYing. Uh, now venturing into designing Timo sandals. You can check out her Etsy shop at Teamonique. Go buy sandals from Tara. Why not? It's pretty cool, man. It is pretty cool. 
All right. Well, let's uh, let's say sayonara to this bad boy. Today's episode of Inside Acting was produced and co-hosted by yours truly, AJ Meyer, and of course, Senor Trevor. I can't do your name. Your name's so white, I can't do it. <laughs> Latin accent. I just can't do it. Trevor, Trevor Algat. Jen Levin is our production coordinator. Gadali Gubrick is our marketing and web director. Jasmine Bristow is our director of public relations, and Deborah Smith is our community manager. Trevor Algat composed our music. You can can sign up for our weekly email dispatch and listen to all of our recent episodes over at our website, InsideActingPodcast.com. You can also find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and pretty much wherever you you get your podcasts. A huge, huge thanks to our sponsors, VOTOGOGO.com and Rehearsal 2. And thanks to you, our listeners. If you love Inside Acting and want to keep uh, the show going, you can sign up as a monthly patron. Sorry, member. <laughs> I caught myself. I was trying to go off book there. I was trying to go off book. I didn't use. I didn't. I didn't use rehearsal two, and clearly just went. Uh, didn't know my lines. Didn't know my lines there. <laughs> if you love inside acting, and want to help keep the show going, sign up as a monthly member. Get cool perks like access to our exclusive online members only mastermind group launching Tuesday, March thirty first. Woohoo! Um, you'll also get grandfathered pricing, by the way, if you sign up as a monthly member before. Uh, the the uh, membership actually goes live. So um, if you've been thinking about supporting the podcast, you'll get even more value, and it will be uh, you'll be grandfathered into the uh, the old patron pricing for the new membership. Uh, you'll also get freebies and discounts on merchandise and other upcoming podcast offerings, and much much more. Just visit InsideActingPodcast.com and click on the member tab. And that's it for episode 185 of Inside Acting. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, close that loop. Close that loop.